Looking for ways to save money, many state governments are consolidating their information systems, which in turn refocuses how their IT security organizations service state agencies. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com, and I'm pleased to welcome Ohio State Chief Information Security Officer David Shaw. Welcome, David. Hey, thank you, Eric. Glad to be here. Before we get into the new roles your IT security organization is performing, please take a few moments to tell us about IT and IT security governance and about IT consolidation in Ohio government. Sure. Well, Ohio, like most other states, is looking heavily at consolidating our IT infrastructure. A big driver behind that is obviously the cost savings that we hope to achieve by consolidation. As far as information security goes, Ohio is fairly new in their Enterprise outlook on information security. With the consolidation moving forward at a good pace, we're also uh, moving forward with our enterprise outlook on information security, which includes consolidating some of the, uh, the services at the enterprise level as opposed to continuing to do those at the individual agency level. How new is IT Security Office in the state of Ohio? Ohio had its first Chief Information Security Officer in 2008, uh, my predecessor, Kim Trapani. So I'm only the second Information Security Officer at the enterprise level. Prior to that, Information Security was really handled only at the agency level. We had a Chief Privacy Officer prior to having a uh, Chief Information Security Officer. He did a lot of work in setting up the structure for an enterprise outlook on information security. 2008, and Kim Trapani was, was the first uh, enterprise chief information security officer we had. And what motivated the state to have a centralized enterprise CISA? Well, I think there were a number of things. We obviously realized that there was a need to have some enterprise voice even before we had an actual CISO position, we had organized some smaller work groups like a data protection subcommittee that were focusing on the issues of protecting sensitive information. Most people know we had a significant data incident back in 2006. A backup tape was stolen, causing a significant amount of sensitive information to be exposed. That was certainly one catalyst for the position. One other thing, each agency or at least the major agencies also have CISOs, and if so, what's your relationship with them? There are several agencies that do have a chief information security officer or somebody in a similar role. All agencies for some time now have had a person that we call a security point of contact that may not have primary responsibility for the agency's information security, but they're at least a contact from the enterprise level that we can reach out to if we have issues uh, like we want to notify them of vulnerabilities that are currently in play or issues that may affect the enterprise or the enterprise network. But not all agencies currently have a full-time information security officer. And honestly, some of them are small enough that they may not be able to validate having one on a full-time basis, especially those that are big consumers of our enterprise service offerings. And let's talk about those enterprise offerings. What kind of services are you offering? And and why are they being offered now? In the information security area, there are a couple of services that we're really focusing on, and it's really about threat and vulnerability management. Our primary offerings are vulnerability assessments at the network and endpoint level, as well as vulnerability assessments on the application level. We provide those services uh, free to all agencies. Initially, start working with agencies to 
try and get them to understand the benefit that they can get from doing regular vulnerability assessments. Most of the agencies have been doing vulnerability assessments, at least on an ad hoc basis for some time, especially in the application space. Most of them haven't been doing application vulnerability scanning on a regular basis at all. And a lot of that drives, uh, a lot of the driver behind that is a lack of tools and, and even a lack of, in some cases, expertise to interpret the results, which is where we come in. A couple of years ago, the agency invested into IBM's AppScan. We've been able to utilize that, and I have a couple of resources on my team that are able to work with agencies and perform scanning for them and even deploy it in a way that they can perform scans on their own through a web-based tool. For those not familiar with IBM AppScan, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, IBM's AppScan tool is really uh, an application vulnerability scanner. It looks at the application and tries to determine issues with uh, coding or configurations that may present vulnerabilities. A lot of the vulnerabilities typically revolve around things like cross-site scripting or SQL injections, things of that nature. What does this mean for your staffing it's really about getting the agencies aware that we have these service offerings, helping them understand the benefits of running these scans on a regular basis. Our staffing right now is able to handle the load because of the fairly new service offering. As we continue to expand our services out to the agencies, as we continue to expand that, of course, we're probably going to have to add staff, but our hope is really that we can educate agency staff so that they can do these scans on their own. It's really not the desired effect for us to go in on an ad hoc basis. It's really the desire to have them doing this on a regular and repeated basis, especially with the application scanning in their software development lifecycle. So as they're developing applications, they should be running these scans as they're putting out any, uh, mo- any new module or any new code. Listening to you, it seems as if this is all voluntary for the agencies. Is that the proper approach? I think for now it, it has to be voluntary. Now, certainly I think uh, you see standards like the consensus audit guidelines, which strongly encourages repeated and regular scanning. So I think it's considered a best practice. We'd like to see all agencies pick that up, but I don't know that making a mandate around regular vulnerability scanning is going to get the desired effect. There's an awful lot of overhead when you start doing these scans. If the agencies don't have the skill set, their staff doesn't have the skill set to interpret the results, then the scanning isn't near as beneficial. And how can you get those skill sets? It takes somebody who has a background in application development, especially around the application scanning for the network and endpoint scanning, certainly someone with competencies in, in networking and endpoints. You know, really the only way to get that is through experience and training. There are certainly some programs out there to help educate staff, but a lot of it is they they have to do this on a regular basis with somebody who who understands how to interpret the results and really get a, a feel for how to work through these scans. Is it the responsibility of each agency to get that kind of experience on their own, or is there a role for your office to provide that? Well, one of the roles that our office fills is education and awareness uh, around information security. We try and uh, determine what the need may be, and if this is a significant need for the enterprise, then certainly we would look to try and establish either courses or procure courses through organizations like SANS or or other organizations, bring those in-house so that uh, we can build that competency in the enterprise. Are you at the point now where you're doing that or not? 
We're really uh, right now focusing on general education and awareness training. We've just recently started doing some more focused technical training. We recently bought into the collaborative agreement with the MSISAC and SANS to provide training uh, to a number of enterprise resources. We haven't gotten to the point where we've gotten a specific inventory of the skills that are needed throughout the enterprise to, to really target enterprise purchasing. What I'm hearing from you sounds like things I hear from other states. There's just so much out there that needs to be done in a way you need to pick and choose what can be done most efficiently now. Does that put a lot of stress on you? Certainly. It's a big job. There's, there's no two ways about that. Securing an enterprise isn't something that's done overnight. It's one thing to look at it from a, an individual agency aspect and even to bubble it up to an enterprise aspect. But when you have a scenario like many states have where you're kind of in that mix between some agencies are still very autonomous and many agencies are starting to come into the fold with the consolidation efforts, it almost makes it a scenario where you have to have two plans. Are there other services that you're offering agencies? Well, right now, those are the two main services. We also offer them penetration testing. The same resources that provide our vulnerability assessments have done some penetration testing for some of the smaller agencies. This is another area where, in the past, we've always looked outside. We've hired in resources in the past to do uh, penetration tests, but it was typically only done on, like, an annual basis. By doing it in-house, we think we provide a, a little different perspective in that, one, it's it's by state employees, and two, we can do it on a more regular basis, more cost-effectively. You're not the only uh, state CISOs told me that they've moved things from contractors to in-house. Is there a cost savings moving it in-house, or is it something where you, these people better know the systems they're dealing with? I think there can be a cost savings if you have the staff and, and can retain the staff that has the skill sets necessary. That's all too often the situation that I think state governments run into and even federal government runs into is being able to attract and retain the staff that has the skill sets necessary to perform these kinds of tests. It's a very wide open field right now and the public sector is clamoring to bring in resources anywhere they can and they're paying big premiums to do that. As long as uh, we have the staff to be able to perform these, yes, definitely there's a cost savings. There's also that benefit of having uh, people who may be more familiar with the, the inner operations of state government, which is in some ways uh, a little bit of a cheat uh, because we know some of the inner workings of the environment. We try not to use that during the penetration testing. It does present an advantage because they do have that knowledge. They can start to take things to the next level, whereas a, an outside entity who doesn't have that knowledge, they really can only work through the assessment to a certain point. And then once they get to that point, they don't typically know that, well, by getting to this location, you may be able to branch off to something else. You are hiring IT security experts. Uh, how difficult is it to find people in this competitive marketplace where we hear there just aren't enough of those kinds of people out there? Well, right now it's very difficult. I've been lucky in that the resources that I have working for me were already with the state. Most recently, the one resource that I brought on in the last month came from another agency as their chief information security officer, and he now serves as our deputy chief information security officer. I have had some positions that I've posted, and it is difficult because of 
of just the need that's out there. It's difficult to attract them. It's difficult to uh, pay them the premiums that are getting paid in the private sector. We all struggle with that. Are you also finding when you look at contractors that they, too, don't necessarily have the skills on board? You know, we have seen that to some degree. Certainly, we do everything that we can to vet contractors when we have a need. But there have been cases where agencies have come to us and asked us to come over and look at results that they've received from outside contractors. And we haven't been real pleased with some of the results, but I wouldn't say that's a systemic issue. It's, it's really kind of ad hoc. I mean, some of them are good, some of them aren't. I'm listening to the tone of our conversation here or what you're saying and although there seems to be many challenges, it sounds like you're somewhat optimistic that you'll be able to achieve what you're setting out to do. Well, I'm very optimistic, and I think part of that is driven by the fact that I think I have a wonderful team here, a very diverse skill set. We've tried not to duplicate too much of our skill set, but still have enough overlap and coverage that we can provide a good coverage to the agencies that are going to need our, our assistance as we go forward. But, yeah, I would say I'm very optimistic. How big is your team? Right now I have a team of 10. Really uh, three of those individuals uh, or four of those individuals focus primarily on the assessments that we do. Another couple of individuals focus primarily on education and awareness, policy development. And then I have a small group that really provides just security operations for our state's uh, enterprise resource planning system, our OAK system. How do you know what you're doing is successful? Are there metrics you use? Well, we're really just starting to dive into the development of metrics to start developing those for the enterprise and, and for the individual agencies. One of the things called out in the statute that creates the state's chief information security officer position is a requirement for agencies to develop a information security strategic plan. We're really starting to focus in on that this year and trying to develop a template that will allow agencies to report to us on a regular basis both their control implementation as well as issues that they're seeing in their environments in a way that we can roll that up to an enterprise view. We're also trying to take a look at the scans that we are doing for the individual agencies, ways that we can roll those metrics up to be a representative sample, per se, for the enterprise. But, of course, to develop really good metrics, we're going to have to get a lot more coverage than we have right now. Well, it sounds like you're well underway with limited resources to do what you've been hired to do is help protect the Ohio's uh, government IT. Well, we like to think so. Thanks, David. Well, thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. I've been speaking with David Shaw, Chief Information Security Officer for the state of Ohio. I'm Eric Charbro of GovInfoSecurity.com. Thanks for listening.